0: Welcome to the CEO.digital show. My name's Craig McCartney.
1: And I'm Darcy Thompson Fields.
0: And this is an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C suite.
1: You'll hear insights that will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders now and in the future. You can find out more and stay up to date at CEO.digital. Today's guest is Naomi Newport, VP of Global Enablement at Pure Storage. Naomi has a 20 plus year career in the technology industry with roles at Adobe, Symantec, and ClearSwift to her resume. She has also been with Pure Storage for the past six years, but that follows over five years of marketing leadership in her previous roles, where she operated in high growth, fast paced environments. Naomi has a passion for building and developing high-performing teams, and we're thrilled to have her on the show today. Naomi, welcome to the CEO.Digital Show. Thanks, Darcy. It's a real pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, We always like to start off these episodes with just hearing a little bit about your career, Naomi, kind of what got you to where you are today, and any highlights and key lessons that came as a result of that
0: as i was thinking through this there's a key theme to my highlights and that's um the fact that they're all connected with somebody that took a chance on me somebody that believed in me and gave me an opportunity so whether it was the opportunity to move into my first customer facing role the chance to take on bigger roles within the team or most recently at pure here to shift into another area of the business and I've been so fortunate to have had many, many highlights, but really, you know, having somebody that is your sponsor and has your back is the biggest area for me.
1: Fantastic. And I'm interested to know what led you to a career in technology specifically?
0: I don't really know. I went to university as a mature student, the heady age of 21, and I was looking for an opportunity to do a faster degree, if you like. And I, so I chose computing and microelectronics. I could complete it in two years. Surprisingly, or not so, I was the only woman on the course. (laughs)
1: And you now have been at Pure Storage for six years, which is a nice lengthy time to grow with an organization. Um, Yeah. Can you tell us about a little bit about your journey at Pure, but mainly what it is that you're up to right now?
0: Sure. So yes, six years, I spent the first five years in marketing leadership roles. And then last summer, I transitioned to lead our field enablement function, which uh, includes learning development, partner enablement, field productivity, and leadership development for our sales, -sales, pre-sales, channel sales organisations.
1: Fantastic. And are there any kind of particular challenges that you faced in your role that you've you know, have kind of the biggest lessons to overcome? So there's a few things. So firstly, of
0: course, I took on this new role during the course of a global pandemic brilliant i'd been at pure for a long time i feel for anybody that shifted roles particularly shifted organisations during that time but you know even within pure i thought i knew everyone and everything turned out i knew very little and not many people at all so you know i still as many new leaders have not met my team in person and i actually knew very few of them when i when i took it on I stepped into a role where there had been a lot of churn in leadership as well. And the the programs that were landing in the field were not, particularly viewed in a positive light. So yeah, I was fortunate enough to have spent a lot of time building relationships with our field organization during my marketing roles. And I and I leveraged those relationships heavily to get feedback on what the issues were as they saw them with the experience that they were, they were getting from our enablement organization. So that really helped me get a fast start and taking all that feedback on board. You know, someone's. Some of the feedback was brutal. Um, You don't always want to hear it, but it's necessary to be as effective as possible, right? So I took that feedback on board and we've completely rebuilt the way that we go about enabling our field force We have a well-documented three-part role-based and data-driven curriculum focused on onboarding quarterly training, which is about products, solutions, tooling, and then sales skills, such as reaching decision makers, financial acumen, those sorts of things. And fundamentally, pure focus is on experience. So I approached this challenge really focused on the experience, which we're making that more predictable, more consumable, and more relevant to our audience.
1: Fantastic. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it's such a difficult time to switch roles over the past year and a half, uh, where we face kind of lockdowns, uh, remote working, and then also, you know, challenges in our personal lives as well as the result of a pandemic. So how did you go about navigating this in your role and also ensuring that, you know, the kind of health and wellness of your team was prioritised? It's one
0: of those unprecedented situations, thank goodness, certainly in our lifetime. And for people leaders, it's, I think it's just been really, really tough because you're going through your own both physical and emotional response to the situation, as well as dealing with your teams and giving your teams the support that they need. So, there's a couple of things. So, when the the pandemic first hit, the us as senior leaders at Pure just made the decision to make ourselves accessible. So, we really amped up communication, we're as transparent as we could possibly be. I personally held sort of informal drop in sessions, coffee mornings, wine evenings, whatever way you want to look at them, where people could just come or not, and we would just chat about what was going on in their area of the world and just didn't talk about business at all, but just Really made connections across the team. And then you know, we, I also invested heavily in the team. You know, we've got a, we had a lot of people on the team that were really focused on in person events, which were switched off overnight. So the teams were really uncomfortable and really worried, actually, about the future of their roles. So um, we invested heavily in the team to augment their skills. You know, we also had a lot of fun, we held theme Zoom meetings. Who knew that there were so many funny holidays in the US? So today, for the benefit of your viewers, the oh no, it's not the, the 8th of November. Today is National Tongue Twister Day in the US. Who'd have thought it? So whilst we held these theme meetings, it also of course served to improve our skills with the tool. I know, who knew? And um, you know, and we really adjusted the way that we worked. You know, all day meetings were no longer a possibility right? And how are we going to really manage this well in a global environment? And then of course, once the uh, novelty wore off of everyone being in their home office or sat on the end of their bed or at their dining room table, Zoom fatigue set in and everyone found this environment really, really exhausting. So we've worked really hard to reduce the number of meetings, the length of meetings, really focus on external engagements rather than just internal meetings. And we've also uh, introduced pure play days, which are company wide holidays. There's nothing worse than having a day off and worrying. About about what you're going back to. And these company-wide holidays have been game-changing to really give people the chance to relax and recharge.
1: There's some great examples there. And I know a lot of companies have yeah been put in this position where they need to be reactive initially. And now we've been able to take stock, see where our kind of employees and our people are at, uh, and hopefully meet them there. Are there any lessons from this time that you're going to be taking forward into the future? And have you seen a fundamental shift in how you're working as a team?
0: So I used to spend all my time on the road, I would you know, come go fly to Singapore on a Sunday night, get there for Monday evening, come back, be home for a couple of days and then fly to the US. So I, you know, I don't think companies will ever invest in travel budgets like they used to. And actually that's not a bad thing. I think in the main, we found a more effective way to work. And that's a really good thing. I do think it focuses the mind on why we need to be in person and when things are more effective in person versus virtually. And that will really help us prioritize our time. I think one of the great side effects of the pandemic has really been the focus on individuals' well-being. And whilst it's always been talked about and Pure actually have always done a very good job in making tools and things available, it feels like people really care now. They really, really care. And, you know, people are talking about burnout and you know, taking time off and how important it is to take real time off, not pretend time off and, and things like that. That's got to stay with us. But I think the final thing for me is around choice. And, you know, there's a lot of debate around should pe- do people want to be back in the office? Do people want to permanently work from home? Should it be a hybrid approach? Fundamentally, I think people just want the choice, And for the first time in many instances, people are actually now getting that choice, which is a great thing.
1: I know as well, it's been particularly challenging when trying to think of blanket policies across the board, because as you said, you know, each individual's needs are different. And then you also find, you know, different groups of people facing different challenges. So obviously, you know, parents had it particularly tough in the pandemic having to balance the the needs of childcare and schooling along uh with running from home. Young people had it particularly tough, right? Often those kind of grouped in cities in smaller apartments without adequate working conditions. And there's been quite a sort of imbalance in, you know, how this has affected the different genders and particularly how women have, you know, had to take on both the kind of increased toll in the home whilst balancing that with the needs and expectations from work. So I just wondered if you dealt with that within your own team, Naomi, and how you combated it.
0: I've read a lot about this and I am fascinated personally by the impact, the, pan- the long term impact the pandemic will have on people. I will say, I hope I'm still alive in 20 years time when somebody far cleverer than I does some big research project into this and, you know, and we can just reflect and uh, hopefully learn from it. I think I had a very diverse team. Well, I I still do have a very diverse team. There were people on my new team that were on maternity leave when I took on this role in the US and they came back to work and had not hired a nanny or engaged with daycare because they were just to they just wanted to look after their child, right and it, it was just one of those unknown things. So things like noise in the background or your dog barking or a baby crying, the sort of things that on in this sort of virtual environment that would have raised eyebrows. Frankly, uh, it, before it's just now commonplace. You know, it's, it's totally commonplace for me to start up a meeting and there's somebody sat there with a the baby on their lap, and I think that's just that's a really positive move for females in this industry. That aside, you know, I've been reading a lot, as I said, and studies suggest that as a result of this pandemic. And one in four women are considering leaving, either leaving the workforce or downsizing their careers, which you know fun- fundamentally undoes much of the good work that has been done with regards to gender equality in the workplace, and that's um, that's a frightening statistic.
1: What do you think the industry can be doing to help reduce those numbers and that risk?
0: So, yeah, you know, I think a lot of organisations talk about diversity. And and PURE is very intentional about diversity and introducing specific programmes. The most recent one, for example, was uh, a returnship programme, which is really encouraging women back to the workforce after a career break. But it's not something that can be fixed overnight. It's a systemic issue across the technology sector. Every business leader I talk to across our sector um, talks about the same thing. And, And it's not just about hiring and retention rates. Honestly, the technology industry really needs to work really hard at grassroots level to become more attractive to younger girls and get them excited about the possibilities that this sort of career can offer. You know, Diversity and isolation of inclusion and belonging is neither here nor there. You know, diversity is a fact it's a numbers game people of color gender diversity inclusion is a choice like you know you choose to feel included or or not but belonging is a feeling and anything that's feeling related is really hard to put your finger on and is really hard for um, organizations to manage but it's so fundamentally important and requires a change in the way a business is run and led and if more organizations i think thought about belonging, not only would it help attract and retain those more diverse candidates from what is a fundamentally smaller talent pool, but it could also address the fact that up to 50% of women who choose a career in technology leave it before the age of 35.
1: It's great to hear about, you know, the steps that you're personally taking and pure storages more widely as an organisation. I'd love to now kind of move on and discuss what it is you know that makes for your storage stand out from the competition, what it is that you're offering your customers
0: so the first thing I think is around the culture and our customers and partners always reference the pure culture and it's something that they actually personally really buy into which is a huge differentiator for us I mean so firstly who knew that there were so many orange items of clothing available to buy Uh, I personally did not but if you show up to one of our in-person sales kickoffs it will open your eyes as it did mine customers and partners buy into that as well you know they will wear the orange shirts and the orange socks and And all of those sorts of things, but also reference the difference in doing business with Pure versus uh, some of our competitors. But fundamentally, Pure has always focused on experience. Um, You know, our customer experience, which is reflected in our verified uh, Net Promoter Score of 83.5, which is astoundingly high for a B2B technology organisation, but also simplicity. And that's really the core of everything that we do. You know, we're laser focused on innovation, deliver a highly differentiated evergreen business model, which not only means that a customer will never buy the same storage twice, Uh, but can be on on the most recent technology. But we also proactively report most of our support cases, often before a customer is even aware that there might be an issue.
1: And you touched on experience there. You know, I feel like this whole episode is becoming about experience, about your employee experience, about your customer experience. But how would you define the modern data experience?
0: I'd like to talk through uh, the lens of one of our customers, I think, for this question. And you've, you've heard from Michael Taylor from the Mercedes Formula One team before. But I think it's one of the best examples of the pure modern data experience in action. You know, we partner really closely with the team to provide technology, both trackside and at the factory. And in an environment where milliseconds, microseconds, if that's a thing, are the difference between winning and losing, You know, they really rely heavily on our technology to give them the IT advantage that they need. So trackside, from a normal organizational perspective, if you think of that like a branch office, except this branch office is built on a Wednesday, torn down on a Sunday, up to 22 times a year, which is quite an incredible thought. The technology is housed in the team garage. And whilst it's the cleanest, sparkliest garage you will ever experience, it is subject to all kinds of inclement conditions. If you think about the race calendar, you know, you're going from Australia to the Middle East to through Europe to the UK, because we're not known for our poor weather. So, you know, it really needs to be super reliable. They need to know that Come Wednesday, when they flick the switch in the garage, it is going to come on. And this is technology that's not really designed for being turned off and on all the time, right? This stuff usually goes into a data center and, and is left well alone. Additionally, Trackside, a Formula One car has over 200 sensors that send real-time data back to the pit wall. And being able to process that data faster than, than other teams in order to make the next strategy decision is really critical to the team's race performance. Back at the factory, you know the team are already well busy on next year's car and dealing with all the changes in regulations that comes with the new season. So, for example, if we can help them reduce the time it takes to re- run the database query from hours to seconds, they just remain well ahead of the game.
1: Amazing. Great example there. Thank you, Naomi. And I Don't know about you, but I'm almost horrified to think of 2022 coming around so quickly. Where has this year gone? But as we do start to look to the new year and to the future, I wanted to ask you, what are the top trends in data that we should be keeping an eye on? Where should data leaders be putting their focus for 2022?
0: So I think there's a number of things. So firstly, there is the rise in unstructured data is just off the charts, right? And it's all very well having all this data, but how do you take it and get information from it to enable you to make meaningful decisions? So I think that's that's the first challenge, and that uh, business leaders are going to continue to face as we go into the new year. The second thing is around the introduction of more and more uh, regulations so the legal requirements in all and they're different everywhere right across across the world the legal requirements about how you store and manage that data and who has access to it and where it is is going to continue to be really really challenging for organizations know, finally there's just going to be more and more and more of it So how do you use that data? How do you make sure that the people who need access to it have access to it? And how do you really focus on security to make sure that the folk you really don't want to have access to it can't lay their grubby mitts on it?
1: I did want to ask you as well, a bit of a side question, but as I'm talking to you, you know, we've just come out of COP26, you know, sustainability and environmentalism is a huge focus for individuals, nations and businesses alike. Is there anything that the data industry or data leaders can be doing to help focus on that drive towards sustainability?
0: It's a really interesting question. I think the environmental impact of our, our technology at Pure is something that we just don't speak about enough. You know, we are actually as uh, green and efficient as we could possibly be with, you know, our arrays uh, using the same sort of amount of energy as a hairdryer. So it's really energy efficient. But from a, uh, a size perspective as well, the amount of physical space that the arrays um, take up is really, really small. And the density of the uh, storage on our arrays is very high. You often see actually um, customers on social media taking before and after photos the amount of space that a competitor's product took up versus pure and yeah you know, that's that's a big deal you know, real estate is expensive from both from a financial perspective but also from an environmental perspective there's a lot of things that all industries could do better. And I think, honestly, certainly I feel like we're only just really learning about what that is. And we really need to listen to the younger generation who have a much better idea of much more creative ways of looking at this issue that we face. It's an issue that's going to face us all, maybe not in my lifetime, but certainly in my children's lifetime. And if you think about the uh, 1.5 degree target to only see you know, x amount of rise in uh, the sea level, for example, so we only go it only goes up to our ankles, not up to our waist. That's a it's a fairly horrifying visual, and we need more and more people focused within the technology industry on minimising our carbon footprint.
1: Absolutely. And I think you're right, kind of the, the positive message and, and vision to take from this is, is looking at younger generations and how they are taking up the cause and coming up with creative and inspiring ways. Uh, speaking of inspiring, you've shared some great examples of how you approach your own leadership, Naomi, but for you, what makes a good leader?
0: So I think authenticity is absolutely critical. I have seen many people rise up through the ranks really quickly and just become a different person, in my experience, quite unnecessarily. On the flip side of that, I've, you know, I've been inspired by many leaders. But I think most recently, and this is a little left field of my own, I would like to cite a really unlikely role model. And I'm sure we've all watched the Ted Lasso show on Apple TV. You know, this guy was hired as a joke right? And he showed up and he knew nothing about the game that he was about to coach. And it turns out to be a really strong reminder every week of great leadership in action. Now, he really focused on creating a vision that the team can believe in. And actually, Wrote the word believe on a piece of paper and, and stuck it to the wall. He's open, curious, a lifelong learner and non-judgmental. Happy to admit when he was wrong and was prepared to apologize, make tough decisions, including tough people decisions, and that's one of the hardest things to do. But finally, just being kind and treating people how he would want to be treated. I you know, I think it's a 101 in leadership, honestly.
1: Absolutely. I love that example. I'm also a big fan of the show. Have you uh, finished season two yet, Naomi?
0: I have finished season two. <laughs> it's. I think they do a really nice job. It's a fantastic TV show. It's a feel good TV show at a time when everyone needed
1: it. Exactly. Yeah, much needed, much needed. And finally, we'll get on to our quick fire round where we get to know you a bit better through some short, sharp questions. So I'd like to kick off by asking you, what is your guilty technology pleasure?
0: So whilst many people still swear by the paper book, my Kindle is my technology pleasure. And it's guilty because it means I can hide how badly my how bad my eyesight is now.
1: Plenty. I think, yeah, that's a relatively tame one, at least you're reading there. <laughs> and how would your family, friends, boss describe what you do for work?
0: My family would say I spend All my time, sat in front of my computer, telling other people what to do. My friends probably wouldn't have a clue necessarily what I do. And I'm not sure about my boss. I've I've just had a new one, so I'll have to ask him.
1: We'll have to follow up with that in a few months' time. And do you have a quote that you live by?
0: So, I've always been a lifelong learner, open to doing things differently. And uh, so, my favorite quote, and my teams will have heard me say this many, many times, is every day's a school day. Every day you'll learn something new.
1: Fantastic. What a nice note to end on, Naomi. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: It's been my pleasure, it's been really fun.
1: Absolutely and thanks to our listeners. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I think we covered off some really nice topics here. We're obviously working on some long-term collaborations with Pure Storage. We've got some fantastic content on the co.digital site. Naomi referenced a previous episode we did with Michael Taylor of Mercedes F1 which I really recommend you check out. But we also have some fantastic events coming up as well on the 25th of January and also on the 8th of February so please do visit the co.digital site and sign up for those and we look forward to seeing you there thank you